Psalm chapter 5, if you find your place, please stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Psalm chapter 5, beginning verse 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. <clears throat> Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. <clears throat> thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thine house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, but thou compass him as with a shield. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, I pray for your children this morning. Lord, that you would put a shield around them wherever they are. There are people all over the world worshiping you and serving you. And Lord, we pray that you would give us our daily bread today. Or that you would keep us from temptation today. God, that you would lead us and guide us as your people to shine the light of Christ to a lost and dying world. Help us, Lord, as we go through this passage of Scripture to learn what we need to know, to be equipped, to be missionaries, disciples, teachers, parents, grandparents, co-workers, Christians on fire for you. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and teach us in our innermost parts. Write your word on our hearts, Lord, so that we do not sin against you in the days ahead. And God, if there is some great sin that has taken over our lives, I pray that we would confess it and get rid of it. Lord, that we would die to ourselves today and live for you. And Lord, that you would live through us. And God, I pray that many people would come to know you as Lord and Savior by the example of the people in this room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, here we are in Psalm chapter 5, and obviously there are 12 verses, so we're going to take them in chunks instead of verse by verse. And uh, the first section we're going to do is verses 1 through 3. It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and will look up. 
Now, I don't normally pray like this. I don't. Uh, we often teach our children to fold their hands together and bow their heads and pray solemnly with respect. It's very odd to me as a, a missionary when I first went over uh, to Las Vegas, I guess. Some of these places you'd go and, and you'd encounter different kinds of people. And one of them said, we're going to do a prayer walk. And I'd never done a prayer walk before. And, and we got out there and he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to walk around this neighborhood and we're going to pray. And I thought, well, this is going to be strange. And he just walked down through there and we followed him around and he would just be talking to us and then he would start talking to God while he was walking around. And, and that seemed strange to me because that's not how I learned to pray. For many of us, we don't pray enough. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 verse 29. Mark chapter 1 verse 29. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So he spent a long time doing all this work for the Lord. This is Jesus. Look at the next verse. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Why in the world would Jesus need to pray? Is he not God? We try to go throughout our days without praying. That's a lot of pride. To think that we could accomplish anything for God without opening our day with prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, God Himself, Jesus who holds all things together and created everything, woke up early in the morning after He had had a long night and He spent time in prayer. David, a king, woke up early to petition God. And I think a lot of times in our lives we forget how mortal we are. We forget to make that connection with God. We forget to put Him first in our lives and we, we don't open our day with prayer. Many of you may have, may have shown up today at church to worship God, to serve Him, and to glorify His name. This may be the first time in a week that you've actually spent time thinking about Him or praying to Him. Who knows? If we're going to have any power at all as children of God, we're going to have to meditate upon the Word of God. We're going to have to cry out to God. We're going to have to spend our mornings getting ready for the day by looking up. All right, the next section starts in verse 4. It says, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. 
The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. Did you know that God hates some stuff? I mean, he really does. He doesn't like it at all. Uh, there were some things that when I was a kid, my father made it abundantly clear to me that were not going to happen in my life. I was not allowed to do certain things. He didn't like them. Some of them didn't really matter spiritually at all. He just hated it. And because he hated it, it wasn't allowed. For example, I never did write on my hands because my daddy didn't like it. So to this day, you know, the thought of a tattoo, it just, it doesn't cross my mind very much except for when my kids talk about it. And I warned my kids, I said, if y'all get a tattoo, I'm going to get a Bible tattooed right here on my forehead. <laughs> oh, daddy. And, and there's plenty of people in the room, you know, you got body ink. Well, my dad hated that stuff, and so I, I never was allowed. One time, I don't, I don't even think I was even thinking about it or mentioning it. Maybe I talked about somebody else who had it, but somebody had gotten an earring in their ear, some boy. He said, son, if you get one of those, I'll let you keep it. It'll be on your ear in the corner. <laughs> well, I thought, well, I'll never get one of those, you know. I, I knew what my daddy didn't like. He made it clear. He made it abundant. If God makes it clear what he doesn't like, then how should his children go about doing those things that God hates? Even if you think you can get away with it. Why would you do it? Rebellion. You go through this passage of Scripture, verses 4 through 6, and he talks about some of the things he hates. But I want you to look at Revelation 21, verse 5. Revelation 21, verse 5. It's a dangerous thing to, to do things that God hates. Revelation 21, verse 5, and I'm going to the very end of the Bible so you can see how things end up. Revelation 21, 5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about people who uh, go around saying, well, I, my God wouldn't do that. My God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Have you ever read the Bible? I think a lot of these people out there spouting all kinds of religions, all this nonsense in the world, they don't know God. They haven't cracked the Bible. They haven't been in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church in a long time. And if they start to hear some of that stuff, they just turn it off. They don't want to hear it. I'm reading to you straight from Scripture what God will do to people who do the things that He despises. They can keep it. It'll be on their ear in hell. That's how it is. It's better to enter into the kingdom of heaven without your eyeball than to enter hell whole. It's better to enter the kingdom of heaven without your hand if it offends you. Cut it off, the Bible said. If Jesus was saying things like that to people, don't you believe that he wants to cut sin out of your life? 
That it shouldn't be a part of you. Oh, that's just who I am. That's just who my nature is. God has come to change your nature and make you a new creature. Why would you go on doing the things that your father hates? If you want to be adopted into his family, you're going to start looking like him. Acting like him, walking like him, talking like him. The things that he allows, the things that he enjoys, the things that he loves, he wants to see formed in you. He wants to conform you to the image of Christ, not you conform Christ to yourself. In this world, everybody wants to be independent and they want to be different and they're all the same. Everybody trying to be different today, you can see them. They all look alike. You can get on the internet and see all the different people. I tell you, I wish every born-again believer in this room was just like Jesus, including myself. Because if you were, your neighborhood would change. If you were, your job would change. Corinth, Mississippi would change. Alcorn County would change. Mississippi itself would be changed by every born-again believer acting like Jesus, living like Jesus. Not using their independence to go out and sin against God, but dying to themselves every day to live for Jesus. What a difference it would make. Verse 7, 7 and 8 says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Boy, I got, I got sidetracked when I was studying about God's mercy in it. Started telling me about his, his unfailing love. His steadfast love. And I read one note and it said, it is a faithful love to an unfaithful person. That's a lot of mercy that God has. I was reading in the book of Hosea, you know how, how Hosea would go back and buy back his wife from prostitution and how... He loved her faithfully even though she was unfaithful to him. God is so faithful that he loves us even though we're sinners. It amazes me that he allows us to continue to exist even though we fail him over and over and over again. And we come back and we say, God, please forgive me. Please take me back. And absolutely he does over and over again. Remember who is writing this psalm. It is David who had Uriah killed because he had taken Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and committed adultery with her. It is David who lost a child because he had sinned against God. David knows who God is. God is faithful when he has been unfaithful. So listen to these verses again. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. He knows it's only by the mercy of God he's able to enter into God's house. It says, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Why does he fear God? Because he knows that God has the power to destroy his soul in hell. You may not fear any man alive, but you best fear God. 
Any man can take away your life. We're very fragile. But God can destroy your soul. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Look at Psalm 139, verse 19. Psalm 139, verse 19, it says, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I wish that would be your prayer. God, search me and examine me and know the way that I think. God, look through me. You know, when you have cancer, they, they put you through all kinds of scans and they try to look through your body and find what's going on so that they can treat it and get rid of it. And boy, if we had that going on in church, there'd be a lot of people get over the illness of sin. If we'd examine ourselves and ask God to examine us. God's word, it divides between joint and marrow. It is a scalpel in your life. It can cut out any sin you've got. I can remember when I was a, a teenager, I was trying to quit cussing. I was really good at cussing. I knew all the words and how to use them. I was trying to quit. You know, it becomes such a habit that I couldn't speak to anybody without using those words. And I had this football player, a buddy of mine, he, he stood next to me one day. He said, you call yourself a Christian. You talk like that. That hurt. So I found me a verse of scripture in the Bible that uh, could help me out. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And every time I said a bad word, I pulled that piece of scripture out and I'd read it. I stuck it in my wallet and I had it every, everywhere I went. I, I pulled it out and I'd read it. And for too long, I memorized that verse of Scripture. I didn't even have to pull it out anymore. And every time I even thought about saying a word I shouldn't, that Scripture came straight to my mind. You see, you hide God's Word in your heart so that you don't sin against Him. It's a reminder. How many of y'all have parents that quoted Scripture to you or they said something over and over and over to you so that when you think about doing something that they didn't like or the Word of God was against, it pops in your brain. <coughs> Favorite phrase of mine around the house is, stupid hurts. We say it all the time. We say stupid hurts because every time somebody does something stupid, they say ow or start crying or something, and we say stupid hurts. It's a reminder, don't do stupid because it hurts. Sometimes you get instant reminders when you do something stupid. Sometimes you do something stupid and it don't pay off for a while. Some sin is that way. <coughs> Back to Psalm chapter 5, verse 9. 
It says, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is buried wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. <coughs> for this I'm going to turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 9. Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. <coughs> Jeremy, could you come here for a second? I want you to pick up in verse 11 and read through verse 20. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, with their tongues <coughs> used to seek. The poison of, I know that word, <laughs> is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. I'm sick right there. I might you again. <laughs> There's lots of people who think they'll be justified by their works. And uh, we're all condemned. When we talked about hell in Sunday school, somebody said, you're already on your way to hell. Everybody's got a free ticket. It's only if God intervenes in your life that you get to go to heaven. You can choose to go to heaven. You can ask him. He's provided salvation for free. But anybody that says, I don't need that, they already have a destination. <clears throat> Last section. Verses 11 and 12. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, but thou compass him as with a shield. Well, David was surrounded by his enemy, 
He had 600 mighty men, but there was an army against him. And because God shielded him in that story this morning, the Philistines attacked and Saul had to leave. God's always in control. He doesn't always use the means that we expect him to. But he's able to reach you in ways that nobody else can. He knows exactly what you're going through. He can meet you right where you are. The last passage I want to read is Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. It's 11 verses. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. I want to pause there for a second. I want you to think about what's going on in this world. The threat of nuclear war has been around my whole lifetime. People say, well, it's closer now than it's been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And if something were to happen, I want you to read Psalm 46 and remind yourself of who God is. Verse 3, it says, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There's a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Salah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. What you find as you read through these psalms is it doesn't really matter what you face. You go through a lot in life. But if you live for God and serve Him, worship Him, even death itself will not win over you. You are made more than victorious. He can stop wars dead in their tracks. You read about the, the battle of Armageddon in the Valley of Megiddo. The Euphrates River may dry up and 200 million men fill that valley. And if they do, Jesus will show up and speak. And the armies of the earth will cease. There's no weapon formed against his children that will ever prosper. And if you're a child of God, I want you to live like it. I want you to know who you are. I want you to have his identity. Lord willing, on Wednesday of this week, 
we're going to go to a courthouse. And that courthouse is going to be a judge. And everything has been set in motion. All the things have been filed. And that judge should bang his gavel at some point during that day on Wednesday. And at the end of the day, I'll have six kids. And I'll start that day with four kids. But I'll have six children in my house with my last name. Now that two-year-old little boy does not know what he's in for because he's got five sisters. Five bosses in his life. He just don't know it yet. I don't know what it's going to do to the poor lad. But I'm glad he's joining the ranks and I've got somebody to share that with. What do you think I'm going to teach him to do? You think I'm going to teach him to go to church? Yeah, that's a given. He's going to be with me. There's so many things I want to show him. There's a lot of things my dad taught me that I'm going to teach him. I'm going to teach him how to mispronounce words on purpose because that's just who my daddy was and he ruined me the number one thing I want that little boy to learn is about Jesus because if Jesus ever gets a hold of his life I don't have anything else to worry about because if he's born again if he's saved Bob says he's going to get the Holy Spirit of God to dwell within him and lead him through his life. My daddy was taken out of my life when I was 20 years old. I thought I knew everything I needed to know at 20 years old. You know how ignorant I was? There's so many times where I would have gone back to Mushy Marsh and I'd say, what about this? And how would I handle this? And what would I do here? As long as I'm in that little boy's life, I'm going to point him to Jesus. says what you do to what God entrusts you with. When you go through these psalms and you read through them and they, they become real to you, you may have enemies that you need to pray about. You may need a shield of protection all the way around you. There's no telling what you're going to face in this life, but I tell you what, as long as you stand with God, you have nothing to fear. As long as you fear God, you'll be fine. It's when you live like the people that don't fear God that you really have something to worry about. Let's pray. God, I thank you for our time together in your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, let it not return void. God, that it would accomplish your purpose, your good pleasure. Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness that we have through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's somebody here that needs to be saved or born again, I pray that they would get right with you today, that they would call on you for salvation while turning away from their sin. Lord, I pray that your will would be done here today. Nothing more, nothing less. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.